What's up, you guys? Welcome back to A Little Bit of Life. If you're new here, I'm Alyssa. And if you're not, welcome back. You guys, it's been so long since I have recorded a podcast. And I'm so sorry. I have been in the dark. Not really. I've been in more of the light than I'd like. But point is, I am back. Uh, Content will be flowing like the river, hopefully, more or less very soon. So for today's podcast, I've gotten a lot of questions regarding different things going on right now, COVID, what I think of it as a healthcare professional. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. I know that the COVID subject is beaten to death and I totally understand. I do have another podcast I'm going to put out this week. Navia is going to be joining me on Thursday. So we're going to put together a group podcast. Uh, When we originally started this podcast, it was supposed to be her and I, and she's been doing a lot of life stuff and transitioning uh, in jobs and different things. So it's been a little crazy for her uh, as myself, again, going through this process as a healthcare worker during COVID-19 has been an absolute challenge. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Again, I'm not going to beat it like a dead horse. We are going to talk a little bit about the politics. We're going to talk about where I think America went wrong. We're also going to talk about how this is affecting the healthcare industry and the economy and a thousand other things. So sit back, grab a drink, and let's do this. All right, you guys, so the first thing we're going to touch base on is exactly what I said in the beginning of my recording, which was my point of view on the virus and healthcare industry and, you know, how things have progressed and and what's kind of gone on. So when Corona first kind of appeared here in the U.S., a lot of people didn't really take it too seriously because the case counts, you know, weren't high enough and then it was deemed a pandemic and then, you know, people started screaming and hoarding and, you know, all of a sudden there's no Lysol and no paper towels. Um, I feel like I blinked and all this happened. Mind you, when all this started, I was only into my healthcare career for about six weeks. Now, I I guess about six weeks, you know, give or take, okay, about six weeks. And for somebody who is brand new into this and they hear about corona and things are going on they freak out they panic and I'm just like well okay you know wash your hands (laughs) that was that was my idea on it and then you know they started putting in the mandatory stay-at-home orders and then it was like okay let's get a little more serious and then your district regional head is making you print out a letter to put in your dashboard and I'm like what the heck is this for oh, you need to put this in your dashboard because you're an essential worker. And if you get stopped by the cops on your way to work in the morning without a good reason, they will turn you around and tell you to go home. And I was like, okay, this just got real, you know? So for me, coming into the healthcare industry was like a bomb was set off. I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) I got less than two months of training under me and this is happening. So all this is going on. I'm watching alcohol fly off my shelf in less than 30 minutes after a truck delivers it. Lysol, I don't even know if people like 
know what a Lysol can looks like anymore. And Clorox wipes don't even get me started. You know, all this stuff, it's like, you would never think. It's like, wow, it's so hard to find now, you know? And when all this started, that's what people did. They hoarded everything. And I could never understand why. And it was so funny because there was a guy who put out a video uh, saying, you know, if you bought this much toilet paper from Costco and you used it, you know, during the pandemic, you'd have to go to the bathroom like 480 times a day, which is crazy. You know, that people were actually hoarding that much toilet paper and paper towels for what? It was crazy. It was like, it was like they were preparing for a hurricane or something, which by the way, if none of you have seen the weather down here in Southeast Texas lately, you should probably turn that on because there is a storm coming. Level eight of Jumanji's on its way. Just kidding. Um, don't panic. So, you know, when all this started, I was skeptical because, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's coming from China. It's doing this. It's doing that. And the automatic assumption is, well, you know, it's going to be like a few people get sick. It's going to be like swine flu or something. And it's just going to, you know, it's going to find the door. Nope. Wasn't the case. And within a week, it was named a pandemic in the United States. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> this is crazy. So once all this kind of happened and, and everything started to kind of ball together, people began to take a political stance on this whole thing. And I listened to patients all day long, you know, well, this is that, and this is that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm at work, so I can't, I can't take a side. I'm just going to stand there and listen to you and shake my head and you're going to walk away and that's going to be that. I was like everybody else when this started. I thought, eh, whatever, I'll wash my hands, I'll make sure not, you know, not to get in anyone's face. And then they're like, okay, we need you to stay six feet apart from whoever you're with. Okay, well, great. So, you know, all this is happening and all I can think about is how worse, how much worse can this really get? I should not have said that. <laughs> Uh, a life lesson number one, do not ever say it can get worse because it can't, you know, and then that's when they're turning around and they're telling you, hey, you know, you need to put this letter in your car. If the cops catch you without a good reason going somewhere, you know, they'll turn you away or they'll ticket you. And I'm like, that's not comfortable at all. You know, and like I said, my colleagues and everybody, they felt the same way. They didn't think much about this. So I kind of just brushed it off. And then I will never forget, once we got about knee-deep into the pandemic, this was back in May, you know, when things were still crazy, I got to see my very first corona patient, you know, in my face. Like, I, I got to see them with my own eyes. You guys, I will never, ever, ever, ever forget this person because it just, it touches you in such a way like you don't think it's real and then <laughs> it's right in front of you. So at this point in the pharmacy, we were required to wear face masks and uh, my manager had put up like a makeshift plastic barrier between me and the patients and him and the patients and whoever, you know, so that nobody could or whatever, because people at that point were still not wearing masks, like, inside, and my store anywhere really didn't have them as a requirement, um, and even then, foot traffic was still kind of slow, so we got the phone call and said, hey, 
Uh, we got this patient coming in. They are positive. They couldn't get anybody to come and pick up their stuff, so they've got to come in and get it. This person was 26 years old, um, was female, and walked in with an oxygen tank and her purse, and she was in pajamas and slider, you know, like the slip-on sandals. I don't know what you guys call those slides, I think. And she stood there, you guys, and I could hear the sounds in her chest. It sounded like somebody was blowing water. You, you guys ever put water in a cup or use a straw and you blow bubbles? That's what that sounded like. My heart broke. I grab all the things for this young lady. You know, good news is she didn't have a copay. She didn't have to touch anything. I bagged everything up for her, double bagged it, set it on the counter from underneath the barrier. And she said, thank you. And she walked away. And then I had to go and Clorox my counter. You guys, my heart broke. This person was you know, visibly healthy. I mean, she wasn't overweight. She looked okay, you know, but my God, (laughs) that is when my mindset immediately changed. I mean, it was a light switch and my boss was the same way. He was like, Oh my God, this is real. You're like, yeah, it's real. Like, (laughs) we're playing cards, you know, like it's crazy. And that has sat with me since that day so strongly, like I said, because it's just, it's so hard, you guys, like, I understand right now, everybody feels, for whatever reason, more or less, because the news told them so, everybody has such a different view on how things should have been handled, how things could be, how things would be, how things should be, how this, how that, you know, but reality is that this, to me, is is serious like I said because I've seen it firsthand like I can't and won't ever get that image out of my head I I have a lot of good good memories most of them are very good memories but that will always stick with me because you know the next time somebody wants to come to me and say it's COVID's fake and it's not you know it's not all what it is chalked up to be then I can at least tell them that story and hopefully they'll listen. But, you know, it's that whole you can lead a horse to water but can't make them drink thing. So fast forward, you know, and here we are, mandatory mask order. The country is divided. We've now driven ourselves into what we call the second round. And it's being handled worse than the first time which is hilarious because you would think that people would learn, but I guess not. Um, What we're going through right now is devastating to the economy. It's devastating to a lot of small businesses, families, you know, and it's horrible. It's terrible. And the worst part about it is, is that from the get-go, from the get-go, okay, here at least, this has been politicized. 
immediately. Like, it was branded. <laughs> and then as the mask orders and stuff were back and forth, yes and no, yes and no, yes and no. And finally, we got a mandatory mask order. It's, oh, well, you wear a mask, you're a Democrat. Sorry, you're just, you're a Democrat, you're in a red state, you're an a-hole. If you do wear a mask, or you, or you don't, you're a Republican. You're, you're fighting for the party. You're a red, you know, you're on the red team type thing. That, you guys, is the problem with this country. <laughs> everybody, again, like I said, everybody's got their own opinion about how things are right now. As somebody who works in healthcare and gets to see a little bit of this, and as somebody who also lives here, I have the ability to play both sides. What I agree with is, you know, the mask orders and the social distancing and things like that. What I don't agree with is the assumptions and how politicized this has become. And now scientists in the United States are now being forged as liars. You guys, it's hard to understand anymore who really is telling the truth and where the facts lie. It's really hard. And unfortunately, because we don't trust each other or our government anymore, we don't know where to turn. We have nobody else to turn to except for science. And unfortunately, from the beginning, the U.S. didn't trust science. They trusted a politician. Well, I can tell you right now that I would never walk into a politician's room and tell him how to do his job. Now it should be the same way. A politician shouldn't be walking into a scientist's laboratory and telling them how to do their job. Other countries right now, and, and everybody's probably going to jump on me for this, and I don't really care because, again, I've seen it, and I know <laughs> just, just from doing enough reading and research myself. Um, other countries, when this all started, for example, New Zealand, you know, I get it. You're all going to tell me that their population's lower and blah, 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 blah. Okay, save it. <laughs> I've heard it before. Your rhetoric does not appease me. Um, but New Zealand, when all this started, they were hit very, very hard. I mean, New Zealand, man, they were underneath it. And so was Italy. Italy was, I mean, Italy was trashed by this virus. People were thrown out on the street in body bags type thing. And the difference is the government did its job to protect its people. They put in packages for people, you know, hey, don't pay your mortgage for three months. Um, we'll pay you your normal salary through the government fund system. We will, um, you know, we'll make sure that everything's going to be fine while we go through this. And the politicians stepped back and let science do its job. And now as of very recently, New Zealand and Japan and several of these other countries who let science do its job have successfully done away with the worst part of the virus. They don't have any active cases. Meanwhile, over here, Memorial Day weekend happened. The biggest pool party Houston ever seen happened Memorial Day weekend. Everybody thought it would be fun to do their normal activities because they felt that the restrictions were lifted enough. The government said, here, we're going to give you each $1,200 and hope that lasts you. We're going to add $600 a week to your unemployment check. And 
millions of Americans have filed for unemployment and, you know, hundreds of thousands of Texans right on top of that. But what has that done? Think about it. What really, what kind of good has that done? Close to nothing. Because now the state is threatening another shutdown, which if you guys follow me on Facebook, uh, I referred to the shutdown threat as a parent putting their toddler in timeout and I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three and you're not over here, I'm going to put you in timeout type of thing, which is basically how it's being treated. Because right now, America is so severely divided that we can't work together because everybody is too busy playing for one side or the other. What happened to doing what's right for the whole country? What happened to, hey, let's help each other? You know, Houston is renowned for that. We all sit here during hurricanes, tropical storms, natural disasters, the Memorial Day floods, the tax day floods, Harvey, you know, people went out in their trucks and, you know, got boats and they were rescuing people, you guys. But now this happens and it's like, oh, mm -mm. not touching that. I'm not going to help Mr. So-and-so because he might have COVID. That's wrong. (laughs) That is so wrong. It's that whole love thy neighbor thing whether your neighbor's an a-hole or not. You know, I ride on both sides of this. I have to. Because of the field of work I'm in, I ride on the overly cautious side. But as a personal, you know, from, from a personal standpoint, I also ride somewhere in the middle. I am very cautious about what I do. I always am washing my hands. I clean everything thoroughly. And on purpose, you know, and not even just so much for COVID, but, you know, there's a thousand other things (laughs) that you could catch. You know, a lot of the things that I'm doing now are things or before virus was things, you know, that I'm going to keep doing now. It's it's crazy. Um, So, yeah, I I feel I feel like America has let their people down. I am not proud to be an American right now. I am disgusted at the behavior of both the Democrat and Republican parties. I'm more disgusted at our greedy, selfish healthcare system for double counting cases and counting cases that were inconclusive as positives. And little did any of you probably know that for every positive COVID case, hospitals got a stipend for every positive case that they had. So they're profiting off of this. Which, in hindsight, isn't necessarily a bad thing. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, people are going through PPE like crazy. Okay, if you guys are not familiar with what PPE is, you're wearing a mask, right? That's a form of PPE. But other PPE would include shoe covers, uh, goggles, the face shields with the clear, you know, the clear thing in the front. And then you have um, gowns gloves, those are all considered PPE. And, you know, when you have a nurse that goes into a room to help a sick person, they have to take that stuff off and then they got to go help the next person and put a fresh new set on. So depending on how many people that person sees and how many times a day she sees those people, one nurse or one person could go through 20 to 25 gowns, masks, um, gloves, sets of gloves, you know, shoe covers, those types of things. They could go through quite a bit of that in a day. Now, 
one thing I will say is that we all need to have a mask tutorial <laughs> quickly because unless you have like a significant breathing problem, and I mean significant to the point where you're on oxygen or you have such a severely deviated septum that the only way you can breathe is through your mouth, you have no business not covering your nose. Your nose is just as much of a moving factor for this virus, a transmission, than anything else. And, you know, that that is the first thing. The second thing is, if you choose to wear a face shield, <laughs> this cracks me up, you guys. I see people all day wearing face shields and no mask underneath. You're still getting air under there. The thing that makes this virus different from the flu or anything else virus related is how it can be transmitted. This virus is highly uh, transmittable and, and through many different, you know, many different methods of transportation. The air being one of the biggest ones. And the reason why is because for whatever reason, the particles of this virus sit in the air longer. And when you're wearing a face shield, that's great, but that's great for like bodily fluids, not the air the air is still coming up under your shield. So if you're gonna wear a face shield, you also need to wear a mask, <laughs> no exceptions. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then we're sitting right now in the discussion of should kids go back to school? Okay, let's, let's, have, a, let's have a powwow about this real quick. So let's say, for instance, Okay, you send Jimmy back to school. Okay, he's happy to see his friends. He's going to go play soccer again. Everybody's going to have a great time. Well, uh, sorry, first day of school happens. Oh, dang. Jimmy's friend Nancy has COVID. And Jimmy was around Nancy and they were all having a good time. Well, now Nancy is sick and Jimmy's going to bring home possibly whatever Nancy had. So then Jimmy's going to give it to his family unknowingly and they're all going to go about their business and then they're just going to spread it. Do you see what I mean? I guarantee you if a case of COVID happens at a Texas school, it's going to be on the first day of school and they're going to have to shut the whole school down to be cleaned. Then what? Then what? You know, what's happening then? <laughs> oh, online learning, that's trash. Well, look, look what you're doing now anyway. I can guarantee you. And as crowded as schools are here, you guys, my husband teaches high school. His school last year had a class max capacity at 41 students in a classroom. 41. Could you imagine that many bodies in a classroom trying to social distance? It's impossible. They were saying, the, the TEA, uh, if you're not in Texas, then disregard what I'm saying. But the TEA uh, recently said, that if they sent their kids back to school, there could be no more than nine children in a classroom because of the six-foot social distancing rule, depending on the size of your classrooms. So it would be nine kids, one teacher, and how would you go about rotating classes without thousands of kids swamping a stairwell or running into each other? You can't. It's impossible. It would, it would literally take an hour just to change classes because they'd have to switch one class at a time, you'd have to wait five seconds, let that person get six feet ahead of the other, wait five seconds and go. 
It's too much. And then you have teachers writing their wills, you guys, writing their wills so that they can go back to school and teach your kids. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. Okay, now I'm waiting for one of you to come back at me and say, well, the death rate is like super low though. And I'm like, okay, do the math. Okay, we have 30 million people in Texas. It's like 29 point something million people. That's a lot, okay? And you do, let's, let's say the mortality rate of this at its highest is about 2%. 2% of the population of Texas is 600,000 people. Think that 2% is so small now, do you? Because, you know, there are, their health officials are saying that we're going to need refrigerator trucks and body bags and things to take bodies away. Because 600,000 people, that's a lot of people. I don't know how big your average morgue is. <laughs> but it's certainly not big enough for 600,000 people. Obviously, the point is not let it get that bad. And I really do think that the media has done a horrible job in really giving us an accurate case of you know a case affair uh what people aren't realizing uh the people that are severely cautious is that when you see cases that that word is so loaded okay cases include the number of positive cases that have been severely inflated and the number of asymptomatic positive cases now asymptomatic doesn't mean really you know, that you, you have the virus, like you're carrying it somewhere. But it doesn't mean that you will exhibit symptoms. And as far as from what science has said, asymptomatic people cannot give someone else the virus because it's not active. It's in their body, but it's not active. So let's sit here and think about it. When you watch the news at night and you say, oh, there's a thousand new cases. Well, are, <laughs> how many of those are actually positive? How many of those are actually severe enough to be hospitalized? And how many of those are asymptomatic? Let's do the math. <laughs> you know, but if you put it at the worst case scenario, and, and for people who have high anxiety like myself, it's like, oh my God, that's a huge number. That's almost half a million. Yes, that's absolutely true. But again, everybody has to look into it for themselves. And T- putting your kids back in school, you know, you know, I'm telling you now, you know, good and well, that somebody's going to get sick, one of these kids, and it's going to be elementary kids. I still can't believe that childcare centers are allowed to operate right now. What in the heck are they thinking? Oh, well, because transmission is really low between small children. Uh, okay. Uh, and masks aren't required for kids under the age of 10. Have you seen China? <laughs> there are three-year-old kids wearing masks. It's called discipline and you know, being a hard-ass parent. That's what this is. Uh, to me, anybody who can use the bathroom by themselves should be able to wear a mask. And I'm talking like four or five years old. <laughs> you know, that's that's just me though. Again, you know, this is a podcast all simply opinionated and, you know, semi-factual. But the point of it is, you know, here you are. You're going to send your kids back to school. You're willing to expose a teacher possibly to your child for what? For what? You, because, you know, you have nobody to hang out at home with your kid all day? I get it. You know, a lot of parents use school as a babysitter. I'm sorry, I said it. And it, it is what it is. I get it. You know, y'all all have jobs and everybody's got a life and we got bills to pay. But the thing is, how are you going to do that? You know, one day you send Jimmy to school. Next day you come home, there's a letter in the mail and it says, oh no, sorry, we can't go back to school because uh, Susie over there had COVID and now we have to disinfect the whole school. 
And not only that, if they do come back and they test positive, every single person in that classroom that that person was exposed to is going to have to quarantine for at least 14 days. And that's crazy. So just think about that. Just think about that. All it takes is one. (laughs) That one person that's showing symptoms shows up to school because their parents can't stay home anymore. Disgusting. Sends them to school. Exposes nine to 12 other classmates. They expose their families. You guys, it's it's just, it just, it it's huge. Once you start breaking it down to that point, it goes from 1 to 12 to 24. It just grows. So I get it. Like I said, you know, everybody's got jobs. We all need to send our kids back to school. I get it. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the kids right now, you know, because they want to see their friends and they all want to go play sports and do things. But, you know, I don't know. I I just I feel very strongly that you know this this is not going to get better sending kids back to school. Mm. Sorry, I need a drink. Um last thing we talk about on here and then I'm going to get off is anxiety and going through this right now because I didn't think much about this until it got bad and then it got worse and I was like okay now I'm starting to really have some health problems and most of it is just from reading and listening to news and things like that and like I said because numbers and things have come back so skewered and propaganda is up the roof and politicians have divided this country I don't know what to believe anymore and part of it is not necessarily from you know, me having anxiety going to work every day, it's having anxiety because I need somebody to tell me what the I'm supposed to do. And there's nobody that can because nobody's going to tell the truth. It's sad, but I'm going to, I'm going to end this telling you guys what I've done to really curb my anxiety. Um, if you're somebody who is willing to go see a therapist or talk to a therapist or get on some medication, I would suggest that. Um, I hate anxiety and depression medication. I really do. Um, But I feel like since I did talk to somebody and I did get on a low dose of a medication, I feel a lot better. Um, I do have a lot of outlets. Uh, You guys know I'm active in Taekwondo, and I use that as one of my outlets. I draw. I do a lot of artwork, um, and everybody's like, wow, you're so busy all the time. Well, (laughs) to keep my mind busy so that I don't feel so anxious. Um, You know, our pool at our apartment finally opened again, so I've been doing a lot of that. Um, Ashley just came to visit, which has been amazing. So that's been a great uh, outlet for me. So really maintaining your anxiety level at this point, especially if you're somebody who has been at home this whole time, I salute you. <laughs> God bless you. If you have an uh, elderly family member that you're trying to protect and you're staying at home, I'm really proud of you. I know it's hard. Um, I wouldn't get out if I didn't have to, but, you know, somebody's got to dispense medication to the angry Karens. Um, you know, so if you're somebody like that, find something to immerse yourself in. Find a couple of hobbies. Um, I know a lot of people right now who have picked up art, a lot of art, arts and crafts types of things. Uh, I can't find art supplies on the shelves anymore anywhere. Um, 
I have some friends who have begun uh, doing like book clubs and things so that people, uh, you know, can kind of get together on like a Zoom call and talk about a book that they read. Uh, I have another friend who is, uh, who like works out, like the guy across the street has a, uh, he's a certified fitness instructor and he holds classes and people work out in their garages and he does the class in his garage and they watch him. Um, you know, so really it's just about finding an outlet and I know it's really hot outside right now. So it's kind of hard, you know, to get outside and to garden or, you know, go, uh, you know, run or walk your dog or, you know, that type of thing. That's kind of hard right now, but the best advice I can give you is to go talk to somebody. And if you feel the need to get on something, get on something and find you a really good support system either in your own family or in your friends. And of course, you know, if you're friends with me on Facebook or you follow me on Facebook, I'm always here. Um, because like I said, I've, I've gone through this myself. It's been a wild ride. (laughs) Um, you know, going on this journey of, of COVID. (laughs) So find yourself an outlet, just find something to immerse your brain in for a second. Um, my husband, uh, bought me animal crossing for my birthday and that has been a really great outlet for me. Um, it's very relaxing. Uh, I catch fish, I go swimming in my little game, you know, it's really fun. And I find myself very relaxed when I play that game because that, that's like my downtime. Like that's my time. It's like, Hey, you can finally take a chill pill. (laughs) So find an outlet, talk to somebody. And if you really feel the absolute need, get on some medication because the last thing I want to hear about is, you know, one of my friends, you know, something bad happening to them because they didn't get the help that they needed. And, you know, reach out to people, um, get in a group. It's the greatest thing to do. Get, get in a socially distanced group of people, um, you know, zoom calls, uh, FaceTime, whatever. Um, But yeah, so that is pretty much it for this podcast. I really hope that, you know, we come out of this and we will. We're all just going to have to work together and quit picking sides. And I feel like we could do much greater things if we would all just help each other. So you guys have a great evening. And please, please, please pass this podcast along. I work really hard on the content for these and this will be the very last podcast I do on COVID because I feel like right now we need some positivity um, and some uplifting excitement and some laughs and some joy. So Thursday I will have Navia and we are going to do a really fun game of 20 questions. So you guys stay tuned for that. I hope you guys have a great evening. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Stay chill.